If you're visiting us for the first time or watching us online for the first time, my name is Ephraim Pena. I'm the campus pastor here at Southfield Santa Clarita. We are one of several incredible campuses throughout the U.S. and the world, uh, to be exact. And we are so glad that you have decided to come worship with us. Uh, one of the things that we love so much is to worship. And Chanel and Aaron and the team do an incredible job of leading us in worship. And uh, today was no different. And so, uh, again, if you're here for the first time or watching online, uh, my hope and my prayer is that God grabs a hold of your heart and then takes you on an incredible journey that only he can take you on and that he continues to do incredible things in your life. So we are in the, uh, the tail end of our summer series titled Sounds Familiar. I know some of you are like, again, Pastor, sounds familiar. It's, it's, like, it's like 50 weeks of this sounds familiar. Really? It's not, it doesn't sound, it is familiar, right? And, uh, uh, but we just got two more weeks. Just hang on there, two more weeks, and we'll bring a brand new series. In fact, uh, we'll throw that slide up there, Mike. Uh, the, uh, the next series that's coming up is uh, All Together. Uh, um, it's a brand new series that we're going to, be going to kick off uh, next month all together now. And it's basically revolving the life that we go through things, right? We go through family situations. We go through job situations. We go through the ups and the downs. And uh, the truth of the matter is that we were created to be in relationship. We were created to do life together. And here at Southfields, we believe doing life together, that no one is ever left alone, that no one's ever left in the rear behind. We care. We love. We want to do life with you. And so we are all together now. And so it's just an incredible series leading up to our family month. So please put that on the calendar. So just bear with me. Two more weeks. Today and next week sounds familiar. We'll throw the, our old artwork away. As you can see, we don't even do the bumper no more, right? And so, because I know, you know, I, I know, I know, right? So we are wrapping up this summer series. Again, this is a series for all of the new folks that never heard about sounds familiar. We're wrapping up this series. And this series is based on Jesus's most famous teachings, the Sermon on the Mount, right? And I've touched on some of Jesus' most powerful teachings over the last several weeks. We've talked about anger. We've talked about loving your neighbors and your enemies. We've talked about being the salt and the light of the earth. We've talked about the Beatitudes and all that it entails. We've talked about forgiveness, right, which is super important. And just last week, we talked about living a life of generosity, which is so important for us as believers because we believe that God is a generous God, a giving God, that we too should be living this life of generosity with our resources, our time, our energy, our finances, right? And so if you miss any of these incredible uh, messages or just want to go back and, and kind of recap and re-listen to them, you can go to our podcast, which you can find on Spotify and iTunes. Just look up Southfield Santa Clarita, or you can go to our webpage uh, there, southfield.org slash Santa Clarita, and there you can catch the videos of all the previous messages. For those of you who want to relive the last seven weeks, you can uh, do that as well. But today we're going to continue to learn from the Sermon on the Mount with a message titled, To Discern or to Condemn, What Say You? To Discern or Condemn, What Say You? Let me ask you this. Have you ever been judged by someone before? Like in the bad way. Not like, ooh, you look good. No, no in, the, in the bad way, like, like, ooh, look at that person. Right? Been judged by the way you look, the way you dress, the way you talk, 
what, what kind of car you drive, the home that you live in, what, you know, your, your financial resources or lack thereof? Have you ever been judged just for being you? Right? How did that make you feel? Not good, right? It, it, it kind of, you feel devalued. You feel less than. How many of you were fans of Judge Judy, People's Court, Judge Mathis? Anybody in that? You don't got to raise your hand. I know you don't want to admit to that right now. But some of you were. We had a lot of people in the first service that, that did. That show won Emmys, daytime Emmys, because so many people were hooked on it. Right? People were enamored with these popular daytime shows. Why? Because people were hooked on seeing other people being judged. They were hooked. They were like, Joe Judy, tell her. Tell her what she did. She is guilty. I don't care what they say. She is guilty, guilty, guilty. Let her have it. Right? And as much as we enjoy and are entertained by all of the drama of watching these shows, Jesus has some pretty, pretty interesting things to say about judging others in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's jump into Scripture. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 5 says, Do not, do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. What a powerful line. Then this goes on to say in verse 3, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your eye? Verse 5, hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. I don't know, I'm Puerto Rican. I grew up in a, a uh, disciplined home. I can imagine Jesus saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to give it to you now. You want to go out there and do this kind of stuff. Let me tell you a little bit about it. He tells his disciples, do not judge others and you will not be judged. And what do we like to do? Go judge people. This is probably one of the most frequently quoted Verses in Scripture, and it is a fan favorite, even among non-believers. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me for what only God can judge me. Anybody ever heard anybody say that? Right? Why? Because it, it seems to fit the accommodating mold of our day and age that sees all choices uh, uh, as valid and all values as equally noble. We've come to this, this, this understanding that, that everyone and every level and every standard is, has been set. See, the popularity of this verse, I think, comes from a misunderstanding of its meaning. The word, the Greek word judge in the New Testament is krino. Right? And has, has two, me- two meanings, just as it does in the English language. And the first one is, it can mean discerning between things. Right? Discerning between things. I judge the red car to be in better condition than the blue car. Right? 
It's the understanding that, that one, right, is, is, is going to benefit me more than the other. Listen, if Jesus meant for us to avoid acts of judgment or acts of discernment or insight and understanding, it would render or it would make all of his teachings, not to mention scripture, meaningless. In fact, the same sermon where he says, do not judge, he also calls us to discern right from wrong, evil from good. So to discern is to kind of make it, get an insight, an understanding of what is right and what is wrong. And there's nothing wrong with coming to that understanding because, again, so much of the Bible depends on us getting discernment and understanding what is good and what is bad. But the second meaning of judge is to sit in a place of superiority or to condemn. This is the kind of judgment Jesus warns us against. He does not want us to condemn or chastise others, to pass final judgment upon them, or declare another person uh, irredeemably guilty. This devaluing, this devaluing of a person is exactly what Jesus' enemies did to him. And even though it's the way of the world, pastor, that's the way it happens, that's the way it plays out in our society, in our culture, people are always judging others. I want to tell you this morning that it is definitely, absolutely not the way of in God's kingdom. The kind of judgment Jesus speaks against is the kind that condemns and denounces another person. You see, sinful judgment devalues another person, another group. It diminishes their inherent worth as those made in God's image. Instead, they become seen as subhuman species undeserving of our respect or our love. In some cases, the judgment may cause us, this kind of judgment may cause us to think that they are unworthy of life itself. In other words, when we go around judging other people, what we're essentially doing is saying, listen, you have no worth. You have no value. You bring nothing to the table. And so the command to judge not is a warning not to exclude anyone from, uh, from the reach of God's love or to see ourselves or our group as inherently superior to another. But boy, are we infamous for that. Boy, do we like to separate the line between the Christians and the non-Christians. Boy, do we like to put our nose in there and say, in the air and say, oh, we're better than because I go to church on Sunday. We're better than because my pastor is Pastor E. That's a joke. And here's the thing, church. We may disagree with our neighbors, right? We do that. 
whether they're playing the loud music or their party's too long or their kids are running around crazy. And we may discern another person or group to be wrong for their actions of what they did. But when this discernment, this insight and understanding, right, leads us to devalue our neighbors, to consider them less than us, that is when we cross the line from discernment into judgment, into ungodly exclusion. I remember, I remember as a kid, right, playing P.E., and, and I've always been one of those kids that bounced off the wall, so I was always energetic. But I had some friends that weren't as energetic, that weren't as in shape, that were more mild and, and kind of just like, they would be the last ones picked, right, picked to be on the, ta- on the team, and, and my heart just broke for them. Like, because they just stand there and be like, is somebody going to pick me? I want to get picked, right? But for whatever reason, we always thought of that person as they are less than. They cannot contribute to anything that, that we value here. And so we exclude them. We pass judgment and we exclude them from playing or hanging out or doing life or worthy of being smiled at or greeted. One of the things that, that burns me is when I open the door for someone and they don't acknowledge my existence. Oh, man, that burns me. Like, I just opened the door for you. Did you, did you, did you think it was automatic? No, this fat boy right here opened it up, and I stepped to the side so that you can have some entrance way. I know, pray for me. Sadly, this sort of damaging way of living fills our culture today and has been applauded by many, has become acceptable even among some Christians to condemn those who hold different religious beliefs, to condemn those who hold different cultures or belong to different cultures, or maybe even political beliefs. Man, can I tell you, I'm so, this, this past year and a half with all of this political craziness makes my heart sad to we as believers would bicker with other believers, that we would cast judgment on someone else because they like the way a comb over looks. I'm seeing who would catch that, right? Don't, don't, don't pray for me for that. I don't need prayer for that. that. That's just my sense of humor. But man, we're so quick to call them enemies. We're so quick to put a blast on them, to put them on blast on social media, to call them out for what they said, for what they believe, for what they think, for the how they see life, for the way they were raised. We're so quick to, to, to bring them out into the open. You know, one of the things I find so interesting is that we are so quick to do it when we're sitting behind the, the computer, when we're sitting behind the phone, but when we see that person, we're just like, mm-hmm. let me just mind my business. But we're so quick to pass judgment. We're so quick to call them our enemies. We're so quick to call them not like us, less than us. 
and we're so reluctant to love them as our neighbors, as our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, I've said it before, I am not your atypical pastor. I don't dress like a pastor. I don't, I, don't, I don't like wearing ties like some of them do. I don't carry a big Bible. I love my sneakers. I wear caps all the time. I wear sweatshirts all the time. But I can't, you can't convince me differently that the God didn't call me to do what he's called me to do now. But we go around passing judgments. When we condemn someone else, we are declaring that they have no worth, that they do not matter to us, and they do not matter to God. Who died and made you God to determine who matters to him or not? The word of God is clear on this, that he loves each and every single one of us. You see, this impulse to judge is often a way of of elevating ourselves by devaluing others. One pastor put it this way, you cannot love and uh, and judge at the same time because it's impossible to ascribe unsurpassable worth to others when you, you yourself are using others to ascribe worth to yourself. You cannot demonstrate, you cannot give love to someone else when you are doing, when you're taking value from them in order to build yourself up. So let's dig a little bit deeper this morning and find out why it's so easy for so many to see the faults of others and not their own. Jesus tells us in verse 5 to get rid of the log in our own eyes before we can begin to deal with the speck in our friend's eye. You see, this is a call to self-awareness over self-righteousness. Self-awareness over self-righteousness. We see vivid examples of this in the story of Jesus' own arrest and suffering. Consider the the shadiness of the Sanhedrin. This was the supreme council and the tribunal of the Jews headed by a high priest and having religious and civil and criminal jurisdiction over everything. Basically, they were the judge, the jury, and the executioner in this period of time. They could have arrested Jesus while he taught openly in the daytime in the temple. But instead, instead they snatched him up in the middle of the night outside of the city to avoid public outcry. They held a trial under the cover of darkness so that no one could come to Jesus' defense. And then they arranged, they arranged to have false witnesses testify against Jesus to fabricate a reason to murder him. Church, they use their power to protect their status rather than see justice. They manipulated the judicial system against an innocent man in order to maintain control. 
The Sanhedrin repeatedly and blatantly broke God's law all the while they were attempting to just find just one speck of sin in Jesus' eye. They were so blinded by their own self-righteousness that they could no longer discern right from wrong or godliness from wickedness. You see, church, sometimes when we think that we're better than others, it kind of clouds our vision on seeing right from wrong to be able to get insight and understanding and wisdom between what is right and what is wrong, what is of God and what is, of, what is not. Friends, consider this a warning to all of us to cling, that cling to a religious identity without, while judging the non-religious people around us. We may become so convinced of our righteousness that we fail to see our own shadiness. We may think that we have it all together and we throw up our nose in the air and we think that we are better. But the truth of the matter is that only blocks you from seeing your own faults, your own mishaps, your own misunderstandings. Ever read that caption in your car mirror, car side mirror? Objects in the mirror appear are closer than they appear. I have a new one, a different one for you based on today's teaching. Your issues are larger than they appear. So stop looking for someone else's issues. Stop looking at the wrongdoings or the mishaps of someone else. Because when you look in the mirror, the things that you see may be larger than they appear and it requires you to address them. Church, we must practice, again, this understanding that God is calling us not to judge. To discern, yes, to know right from wrong, good from evil, but not to condemn someone else, not to see yourself superior or better than someone else. So let me wrap it up this morning. Jesus commands us to not judge. And he shares with us the difference between judging a person and discerning a situation in this Sermon on the Mount. Basically, we are to practice self-awareness and not self-righteousness. In other words, we need to look in the mirror a little more often instead of social media. We need to look in the mirror a little more often and see what's going on inside of us as opposed to what Jane and Bob and Billy and Sandra and Pepe and whoever it is is doing. We need to evaluate and discern for ourselves, man, what is, it, what is it that I'm doing wrong? What is it that I don't understand? 
What is this log that Jesus mentions that I have in my eye? How can I be better? How can I do better? Before we go trying to make someone else be better and do better. I love it when my kids come home and like, man, that teacher is so unfair. They never, whatever it is. Or they get a low score. Man, that's the teacher's fault. Like I'm going to run to the teacher and say, it's your fault. My kid didn't get an A. Sometimes I have to sit down with my kids and say, okay, what did you do? What's your role in it? Did you do your best? Did you study? Were you the best that you could be? Self-awareness is so critical for us to be better Christians, to be better believers. And guess what? The world out there is always looking at us. It's always looking at see what the Christians are going to do because to them the stereotype is that we jack it up, that we messed it up, that we're always thinking that we're better when in fact we should be sharing the one who makes us best. So church, when we feel the impulse to judge another person based on their sins, based on their past, based on their actions, based on their beliefs, based on their opinions that don't line up with yours, that don't look like yours, that don't sound like yours. I want you to do something. Instead of feeding that urge, why don't you try praying this instead? Lord, help me not to pass judgment. Instead, show me the log in my own eye and help me work on me. Help me work on me. I'll leave you with this piece of scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses, uh, verse 5. So don't get ahead of the master and jump to conclusions with your judgments before all the evidence is in. When he comes, he will bring out in the open and place in evidence all kinds of things we've never even dreamed of, inner motives and purposes and prayers. Only then will any one of these get up to hear the well done of God. We don't know what someone else is going through. We, don't, we, we haven't walked in their shoes. So before we go passing judgment, can we just love others? Can we just do what God has called us to do, which is to love? Right? He says that people will know him because of our love, that people will identify our connection with him because of our love. Not because of how we judge people, not because of the way we thought we were better than them, but because we loved them. 
So more loving, less judging. More discerning, less judging. The world needs more love, not more judges. They don't need another Judge Judy. They don't need another Judge Mathis. They need a loving Monica. They need a loving Bob. They need a loving Ephraim. They need a loving Aaron. Amen.